want to say hi to everybody joining us online. Glad that you're with us. And uh, thinking about our other campus this morning, how God is at work in our Middleville campus. Cool things happening there in our Delton campus. Some of you may not know this. We're building a building in Delton, and it's really cool. It's been done almost exclusively volunteer. It's up. It's insulated. There's heat in there now. They're finishing the drywall. Is that cool or what? It's really, it's an amazing thing to me. So uh, recently, I got a new phone, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I love this phone. It's like the latest iteration, and I'm kind of a, I kind of like to geek out on certain things. I love my new phone. And sometimes, I hate it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love it. In fact, let's just start by doing a little survey. How many of you, just, I want you just to be brutally honest on this, how many of you have ever called your phone, or let's say your app, uh, maybe a a maps app, you know, the thing that you're just supposed to punch in an address, and then it will give you simple directions. How many of you ever called your phone or an app in your phone a name that you probably wouldn't use in church? Would you just lift your hand and be honest, please? All right. The vast majority of you and the rest of you are lying. I understand how that works. And, and that's, that's just a thing. These, these things are crazy. It's like, it's like a simple thing. Like, I just want to, you know, I want directions to a certain place. And you put an address in. And sometimes these things work perfect. And sometimes they just go wonky. It's crazy what they'll do. Uh, it's a few years back. I bet every one of you have a story on, on the maps thing, how that was, it sent you the wrong way. A few years back, um, my wife uh, was with my daughter, Lauren. They were going into Grand Rapids. Now, she didn't need directions to Grand Rapids. She'd been there countless times. But she punched into the GPS and address in Grand Rapids, and she said to Lauren, let's just see where it takes us. And she knew it was going to be an adventure when it told her to turn the wrong way out of our driveway. She knew we were in trouble. Now, we live in the Yankee Springs Recreation Area, which is like 20,000 acres of wooded glacial hills and forests and so on, and it has miles and miles of two-track through it, which in many places, you, if you're on it, would wish you had four-wheel drive, and at best, you're going to go in the single digits in terms of miles per hour. And she hadn't gone down the road maybe a mile and a half, and it told her to turn off on a two-track, and she looked at Lauren and said, let's do it. And Lauren said, no, Mom, no, we just want to go to Grand Rapids. And this thing, this device meant to bring happiness and ease to mankind led her through miles and miles of two-track in the Yankee Springs area on her way to Grand Rapids. What a wonderful gift those phones are sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes you look at them and you're like, ah, this crazy thing, I just, this thing is nuts. Of course, the problem is, is we have unrealistic expectations of these devices, our phones, these, these smartphones that we have. We expect that they should work all the time, they should work right, and they should just, they're, they're the antidote to every sadness in our life. They should just make us happy. And of course, they're not going to work that way. Things are going to go wrong. You're gonna, they're going to be too slow, or they're, gonna, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to do what you want. You're not going to get a good cell signal. You're not going to be able to hook up the Wi-Fi, and you're going to be like, this stupid piece of junk phone and you've got all this anger because you have these high expectations. And the truth is, this isn't all of us, but some of you, I know this is true because I have people in my family like this, you actually sometimes feel like that phone is out to get you. Now, I won't mention any names, my wife, but some people actually think that sometimes. Here's what's funny though, and this happens so often. So you're complaining about your phone, you're like, you're like, I hate this thinking phone, this is just not, you're complaining to somebody who's a little techier than you are. And they're like, well, well, let me see it a second. And you hand it to them and they're like, 
do, 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 and they hand it back to you and say, it's working just fine. It looks great, you know, and you look at it and you go, it is working fine, and you very, now this has happened to me, so I can understand this. You're very appreciative of what they just did for you. What you don't appreciate is the look they give you that says, you realize it's not the foam that's stupid, Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about there? They give you that look, and and I'm a little bit techie, and so I have to be honest and, and, and to my shame say that I've actually given that look to people because sometimes you just think, how dumb can you be? But that's what happens. And in that scenario, within the reason I'm telling you all this is in that scenario, how we feel about our phones and how we act towards our phones, our smart devices, I think is actually at the root of the problem of almost all communication breakdown issues. All of them. Whether it's with your phone or whatever it is, you know, whether it's your marriage, whether it's somebody at work, your, your stupid boss, or your stupid phone, or, or the stupid neighbor, or whatever it is, or maybe it's even your communication with God. I think right there is at the root. What happens there is at the root of everything, and this is what it is. More often than not, we simply don't want to own our part in the communication. It's the stupid phone it's the stupid boss. It's the stupid this. It's I prayed, I asked God, I talked to him, I told him what I needed, and he has not shown me, he's not speaking to me, he's not done what I asked him to do. It's always the other thing. We blame it on something else. And as painful as this may be to hear, this series called Communication Breakdown has been in many ways at its core about challenging that thinking. That maybe, even though we don't want to hear it, the problem in communication when it comes to us talking to God and hearing from God and being aware of God and walking with God, the problem is not God's. The problem is ours. It's kind of been the thesis of this series is that we actually challenge ourselves. Am I doing my part when it comes to communication? Because I'm of the absolute conviction, and I I truly am in this. I'm of the absolute conviction that God is talking all the time. That he wants to guide us, he wants to lead us, he wants to communicate his love. God is there. He wants to speak into our lives. The question is not, is God speaking? From my belief. The question is not, is God speaking? The question is, can you guess? Are we, are we actually listening? Are we doing our part? Are we paying attention? So Jesus gave us, and we've been looking at this now uh, through five weeks. This is the last weekend in this series. He gave us a prayer template. Now, some people have viewed this as something that you memorize. Some people know it as the Our Father prayer. Some people know it as what we call the Lord's Prayer or the Jesus Prayer. But he gave us a template for prayer. It's not something to be memorized and rotely repeated. It's something that gives us guidance as we pray. And each weekend, we've been kind of breaking this down and looking at pieces of it. We're going to finish up, as I said, this weekend. But let's start by just looking at where Jesus teaches this prayer. So this is him speaking. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our sins as we have forgiven our debtors or those who've sinned against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you break this prayer down, and this is kind of what we've done, it starts basically with, with Jesus communicating. You start with an attitude of thankfulness and praise. You have, you have gratitude in your heart. 
Hallowed be your name. You're acknowledging who God is and what he's done and how he's worked in your life. So you, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So you start by being grateful for what God's done. And then you move from that, that posture of gratitude to what I described in the next week as a posture of submission. Where you say, I'm about to ask you for my daily bread for the things I want, but I want to say this to you, God. I want what you want even more than what I want. So your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we move from there as we say, I serve at the pleasure of the king. We move and then we ask him for what we want or what we need or what we we think needs to happen in life around us. And we ask those things and we should. But we do it in a posture of submission. And then we move from there. And we, Joel talked about this last week, a really good talk. If you didn't hear it, you should go online and listen, download the podcast. But he teaches us to, to pray, God, forgive us our sins. And we need to pray that on a regular basis. You all in agreement with me on that? Okay, let me try it again because I feel like I'm preaching to an angelic choir or something here. We pretty much need to pray that a lot. Forgive us our sins. Would you agree with that? Okay, thank you for the sinners that are honest about it, all right? But Jesus does this in an interesting way. He says, and forgive us, teaches us to pray, and forgive us our sins as we, what? Forgive others who have sinned against us. So he, he reminds us, this kind of hinges on your action. If you're harboring bitterness or resentfulness or unforgiveness in your heart, you kind of block forgiveness for yourself. So he teaches us all those things. And then we come to this last piece, which I want to talk about today, where he says to us this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or as some uh, translations say, from evil. This is a fascinating little portion of the Jesus prayer. Jesus, in effect, is teaching us that we need to, on a regular basis, ask God to lead us. So part of our regular prayer, and this is going to be my challenge all through this talk to you, is to get you thinking, do you pray to God? And it doesn't have to be these exact words, but do you pray, Father, lead me. Lead me in the path that you want me to go in. Do you ask him to lead you on an ongoing basis in your life. Because Jesus teaches that this is something that we should be doing in an ongoing basis. Because when we do that, then we are delivered from evil or from the evil one. So let's think about how this works in life. Let me just give you a scenario. So let's say you have a neighbor. And they live on the west side of you. And when they take their trash can out on on trash day, you know, when the people are going to come to take it away, apparently they either have a faulty lid or they don't bother to put the lid on it right. Because when the west wind blows, it knocks the can over, the lid falls off, and then apparently they also don't use trash bags because all their trash blows over into your yard. And the first time you saw it, it frustrated you, but you thought, well, this kind of stuff happens. So you picked it up, you put it in your own trash can, you went, okay, you know, whatever. But the second time you started to get more angry, and the third time you got really frustrated, and then you saw them one day take their trash can back to their garage, and they looked over and saw the trash from their can in your yard and kind of shrugged. And they just went on about their business. And you are furious. Now here's what I want you to get. This is really important for you to see. What you don't see with your eyes at that moment in your life is that in front of you right now 
are multiple paths or roads. It, it, it looks something like this picture, which my friend Dave Boomer uh, drew for me, which what an amazing artist he is. But you're this guy down on the left-hand corner. That's you. And in front of you are all these different paths. And they often go to different ways and different things. But they're all right there in front of you. So let me, let me il- illustrate how this looks. So, so maybe right here in front of you, there's a path that takes you out at night after you've picked up their garbage from your yard, but you take their garbage back over to their house and you stuff it in all the nooks and crannies around their house, in their windows and around their door and everywhere you can because you want them to know you are fed up and you've had it. But you're not going to go talk to them in a normal way. You're going to do that. And then there's another path over here that takes you around to the other people in your little subdivision telling them what pigs live next to you and how should we even tolerate people like that or maybe there's one over here where every time either he or she or even their kids drive by you're just flipping them off when they drive by or when they walk by when you see them in the yard all these different paths here's another one over here that tells you well just act like it never happened you're steaming you're angry but try to just ignore it and press it down of course that doesn't work you blow up all these paths there's countless little paths all around you you need to understand that this is actually happening in life all the time Not just when you're angry or frustrated, but all the time. And then in the midst of all those paths, now listen, listen. There's one path, one path that is the right path. One path that leads to freedom, that leads to goodness, that leads to life and encouragement. One path that you follow that is God's direction for you. And this is why Jesus teaches us to pray Lead us. Lead me. Because I have all these paths here. And here's the interesting thing about it, is that often the path that God has, the one that he wants for you, is often the least desirable of all the paths in front of you. This path over here, putting the garbage back on their property, oh, that feels good, baby. That's desirable. Have you noticed that often of the paths in front of you, many of them feel really good and they seem really good? And the one that God has doesn't seem all that great. It doesn't feel like that's what you want to do. It's like, oh, you want me to forgive him? Oh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. It's interesting. Jesus actually talked about this very thing. This is from Matthew 17. Jesus says, enter through the what? The the narrow gate. Not the wide one. Not where it's easy and comfortable and you can just kind of saunter into it and enjoy yourself. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to, this is a key word, say it with me, destruction. Destruction. The most comely path, the most desirable path, the one that is most enticing to you is one that leads to, say it again, destruction. Destruction. And Jesus says, and that's where lots of people go. They take that path. They do. And of course, we know that. You know that. I know that. I know firsthand how this works. I can look back in my life and see times when I've been furious and really angry, and there are multiple paths in front of me, but one of the paths says, just let the dam burst and spew your venom all over because you will feel better when you do. And sometimes I've gone, sounds good to me, and stepped out on that path and just, you know, erupted in anger and said all these things. And the truth is, is in that moment when I let all that stuff loose, it did feel good. It felt great until I got a little further down the road. And I got to the place of destruction. 
and damage and the captivity that it brings. And I had to start picking up pieces and going back and saying, I cannot believe that I said that and I was totally wrong. Come on, you all know about that path, don't you? There are all these paths in front of us, but one that is right. So Jesus teaches us to be incredibly thoughtful about this. Lord, lead me. Because it's not just when you're angry. It's not just, it's when you wake up. It's when you get an hour down the road. It's when you're at work. It's when you're in front of a boss you don't like or a coworker comes your way and you don't want to be around. You've got multiple paths in front of you. And God teaches us. This is what Jesus teaches us. You need to be praying, Lord, lead me. I want to go on the path that you want me to go in. This is such a fascinating prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He teaches us to pray in our own words and in our own way, This idea, this concept, lead me. Not on the paths that bring destruction, but lead me in the way that you want me to go so that I might be delivered from the evil one. Now, uh, when I look at this, this makes me think of a couple things which I want to talk about, just some thoughts that I have when I look at this. And then we're going to talk about spiritual navigation for a few minutes. First thing I see when, when, when I look at this idea, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, is I'm reminded of this truth, and that is is that there is an enemy. Now let me just stop for a second and say that I acknowledge that there are people who who come to our services on a regular basis or watch online. You're not even sure you believe a God exists, let alone a devil. You may say, well, I I know there's evil, but I don't think there's an evil one. I don't think there is a a devil. But I would just say, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I I respect that you have your opinion, I and, and I'm, I'm not condemning you for that or, or telling you how bad you are. I'm just saying that those who follow Christ, what they understand is, is that Jesus believed there was an enemy. There was an evil one. Jesus actually believed that, as did the writers of the New Testament. Peter writes it this way, so great. He says, be alert and of sober mind, your what? Your enemy. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he says, and I underline these parts, resist him standing firm in the faith. Look, if you you spend your life not aware that there is an enemy who is constantly trying to trip you up, it doesn't mean you'll be a failure, but it does mean you'll spend a lot of time tripping and wondering why things are going south so often. I don't believe we should be devil focus. We should be always talking about the devil. I don't believe that, but I do believe we should be aware of the fact that we have an enemy. And many, this is, this, and this is the reason why Jesus actually teaches us to pray, lead us. Help us to find the right path. Because do you understand that the vast majority of the paths in front of you, so you're, you're upset or something's going on in your life, all of all these paths in front of you, the vast majority of them are designed by an enemy. And they're designed for the sake to bring you into a place of destruction. And so on the front end, they're made to look enticing. They're made to look desirable. And this is why we need to pray on an ongoing basis. God, lead me. Show me the right path. And even if it's not the most enticing one, even if it doesn't look good, I want to follow the place that you want me to go. And so Jesus prays that. And and then it it, it brings us to a place when we follow that of deliverance. But now, here's, here's what it also reminds me of, and I think this is really important, is that, is that there is deliverance. So, so if you look at how Jesus teaches us to pray this, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from the evil one, it's almost as if Jesus knows that on a fairly regular basis, we're going to follow wrong paths even though we shouldn't. And that's just the truth about broken human beings. Come on, is that true? On, on, on too, too often of a basis, we follow, we find ourselves stepping into a path because it's enticing and going in the wrong direction. And then we go down that road a ways and we find that we're in destruction. We find we start experiencing the, the captivity that comes from making the wrong choice and going on the wrong path. And what Jesus makes clear is, is that there is deliverance. And what we do at that point, and some of you are here this weekend, and this is the only thing you came to hear, don't miss this. When you are in that place of brokenness and destruction and captivity, the key for you is not to backtrack and try to fix the problems on the way and then try to figure out what the right trail is. The key is right now you have more paths in front of you. And this is the key. You simply turn in God's direction. You simply say now, God, I'm a mess right here. But this is where I am. So I ask you to lead me. You turn towards God. Now this is counterintuitive because it's generally not what we want to do when we realize we've made a terrible mistake. We want to avoid God because we feel shamed or we feel bad. But the truth is is that the single greatest key to walk out of captivity and the destruction that you influenced and brought into your life is not to try to fix everything, which is what most of us try to do. It is to turn in God's direction. Can anybody say amen to that? You can't fix yourself. You've already tried and it's not working. You don't try to fix yourself. You turn first in God's direction. Lead me, God, from here. It is a mess, but I'm turning to you and looking to you. And as I said, it's counterintuitive. But I love a saying I've heard years ago. Some of you have heard this, and it's said in different ways. But the effect of it is this. It's simply, when you fail and sin, don't run from God. Run to him. Because there is grace there. There is hope there. There is help there. There is deliverance. But I'm telling you, man, you have to fight to do that. Because everything in you... This is an ironic thing. And I think most of you uh, will be able to resonate with this because I think this is universal. When we get into a place where we've been wounded by our own behaviors, something we did, or by someone else, or we had a, took a great loss, we're grieving, we have pain, or whatever. In the midst of pain, in the midst of loss, in the midst of shame, or whatever it is we're feeling, a universal response of a human being is when I'm hurt, I turn in. I go into what I would describe almost as a self-protection mode. And I move towards, now listen, don't miss this, I move towards isolation. I step back. I don't want to be around anybody because I feel crummy. I just feel like crap. I can't can't deal with this. And so this is what the paths that are enticing in front of us say. Don't you dare go to church. You can't face people. You've got a mess in your life. You can hardly keep your head up. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to be in a life group. Don't don't go to a life group because people talk there. And the last thing you want to do is is hear people talk or, or talk to people. And everything in you, all these paths are telling you, don't do this. Don't do Stay away from people. Turn in. Isolate yourself. And they are a lie. This is, and I don't know why this is, but this is one of the great Christian paradoxes. And that is that at the time when you least feel like you want to be around other Christians is the time when you need it the most. When you need to be with other followers of Christ. When you need people who can help gird you up 
who can help hold you when you're staggering, who can support you, who can encourage you, and who can sometimes provoke you and challenge you and say, are you wanting to really go this direction? You need that in your life. But everything in you, every path around you that seems enticing is going to say, draw back, pull away, you're in pain, you can't deal with people right now. Do you understand that this is why we are so strong, why we kind of hammer around here the idea of being in a life group? Of, of going to church on a consistent basis, not because it, it, it makes you know, the leaders in the church feel good because they have a bunch of people in life, it's because what it does for us. I cannot tell you how many times in the groups that I've been in over the years, and the one I'm currently in, you know, it doesn't happen in every meeting, but you go and then you'll have that moment where somebody opens up or something happens and you're like, you're aware there's something going on here and you find that you draw strength and encouragement from other people. See, here's the deal. All these paths around us, they try to pull us away from the path. And so we pray, I may not like what you say. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I don't know if it's going to be easy or not. It probably won't be. But God, lead me. Lead me. I need to be led by you. This is the road that leads to freedom. And the way you get on that path is you turn towards God. And I understand, honestly, folks, I get this because sometimes people are like, well, I, you know, I did. I, I, I prayed to God. So, some of you will say, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you pray and it just feels, <laughs> just feels like God's not responding. It's like when you get that little wheel on your phone. You, you know the one I'm talking about? I, I, I call it the, the, the wheel of death. You've seen that, right? And it's like, it's like you just want to get to an app and this wheel's going, and you're like, I want to kill this. You want to smash it, you know? And, and sometimes it feels like you talk to God and you're like, lead me, God. Show me what you want me to do. And all you get is God's wheel of death. You're just going there. I'm not hearing from you. Nothing's happening. You're not talking to me. Actually, I'm contending he is. And I think there's some things that are critical that we need to do if we're actually going to hear from God. And I want to just throw some of these out to you because I think this is real simple stuff, but this has to do with spiritual navigation. How do I know really when God is speaking? How do I know that it's him, that it's, it's the right thing? And so uh, th- these are simple things, and I, I hope, this is what I hope, is that something will click with you. And so here's the first thing. If you want to hear from God, if you're praying, lead me, and you, you want to listen and, and hear from him, first thing you have to do is you have to ask, and, and I already said, you know, we'd be asking, Lord, lead me. I think many people don't even do that. You know what many of us do? And I, I can't speak for women, but I can speak for men. This is something we love to do, is when we face a problem, what we like to do is say, what do I need to do to fix this? Come on, is that right? What do I need to do to fix this? I'm going to fix I will take care. I got this. First, first, you ask God, I need your guidance. I need to hear from you. I'm punching in this need into my spiritual GPS. I need to hear. So you ask him, lead me. And then, and this is so key, you expect. Instead of, and this is where I think many of us miss it again, we just, this is an area where we kind of screw up, is that we ask him, but then we kind of never think God will really talk to us. He'll really show us. He actually will, but the trouble is, is sometimes we just have no expectation. James writes about this, and this is what he says, and I've read this before. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And that's what Jesus told us to do. Lead us. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must what? Believe and not doubt. 
Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, and that person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. They're unstable in all they do. In other words, when you ask God, then from there you say, and now I trust that you will show me. I'll be listening, I'll be watching, and I trust that you will show me. Now this is the difficult part, and this is the part where sometimes what we do is we say, well, I trusted him, but nothing's happening. I don't know what to do. And when you are acting like God will come through, you talk like it. You actually say it. I believe God's going to show me. So after Ann and I graduated from Bible college, this is a lot of years ago now, we really weren't sure exactly which direction we were going to go in. And we were just kind of, you know, um, in neutral looking, seeing, thinking about what the options in front of us were, how we'd work. I never thought I'd be pastoring in Hastings, Michigan. But um, at that time, we had no idea. Well, so we're just kind of open. And then this opportunity comes for us to go to Germany and work and serve with a ministry in Germany and live there and be there for six months to a year. And so it seemed exciting on the one hand, you know, living in a foreign country and all that. On the other hand, it was nerve-wracking. What we really wanted was just wanted what God wanted for us. So we prayed. We asked God, show us what you want us to do. And it felt like all I got was the wheel of death. It didn't exist back then, but that's what it seemed like I was getting. It was just a, you know, round and round, God wasn't speaking. And so everybody I'd talk to, they'd say, well, what are you going to do? And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. We asked God to show us, but I don't know. And I said that, I, don't, I have no idea how many people I said that. People where I worked, people everywhere. I would just say, I, just, I don't know, I don't know. And, 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 and finally one night we're with a friend, and the friend just very kindly looks at me and he says, you know, he said, when I asked God to give me wisdom, give me direction, he said, I found that it's helpful for me. He did this very gently. I did not even realize he had a two-by-four in his hand until after the deed was done. But he said, he said very gently, he said, I, I find that when I ask God, that it's very helpful for me, he said, to talk like I believe he's going to do it. So he said, I, I don't say I don't know. I say, you know, I haven't got it all yet, but God's going to show me. And I trust him. Just talk like that. And as soon as he said it, it was like a light went on in my head. And, and I know Ann felt the same way. And so we just begin to say, you know, we don't have the whole picture, but God's going to show us. And we trust him. And he'll show us in the right time and it'll be okay. And, you know, very shortly after that, he showed both of us separately, not with audible words, but with a sense on the inside, you are to go to Germany. That's what you want to do. And I am so glad that we had clearly heard from him because at that time, he also called us to give away everything we owned. We went over there with nothing, and we were living there, and it was so hard. I wanted to come home, but we had heard God. And that boot camp was a tremendous experience for us, but it was hard. But we heard because we asked, and then we had an expectation that he would come through. Now, the second thing I think, these are just observations about spiritual navigation, is that when you do have a sense that God's speaking something to you on the inside, one of the things you want to ask is, how do I know this is God? How do I know this is God? So what does it line up with? And um, here's why I say this. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to talk about this, but I decided that I should because uh, maybe this is just cynical me, but when people start saying to me, and God said to me, I get nervous almost every time. I'm just like, oh no, I'm talking to a whack job. Anybody ever feel that way? You know, God told me, and what God said to me, and it's like, oh, were, were you on the phone with him texting, or what, how, what was going on, you know? It's always like, I'm a little worried that, that people get weird, because you and I both know that a lot of horrible things have been done in the name of God, by people who said, God told me to do heinous crimes, horrible things. And so I always get a little bit nervous, and yet at the same time, 
Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us. So he does want to speak to us. Now, it's generally not going to be like with audible words, but how do we know when we get a sense this is God that it really is? And this is where this is so important. You have to ask the question, does it line up with the larger principles of Scripture? Critically important. Now, what I didn't say was, can you find an obscure verse to validate what you think? What I said was, does it line up with the larger principles of Scripture? And here's why I say that. Because you can pretty much make the Bible say anything you want to. You can pull some obscure verse out, text to prove your point, or to get your thing. And it usually just brings destruction. What I'm talking about are the larger overarching principles. So one day, <clears throat> a religious leader comes to Jesus to test him. And this is what he said to him. He said, uh, let's go on here if I can find it. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So the guy's saying, if you could boil it all down to the essence of, of what matters, he says, Jesus says, it's love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and this is the first and greatest commandment. So the guy would have agreed with him at that point. He knew that, he knew that commandment, he knew that, but then Jesus does something that blows the guy away. And he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, this is, this, is, this is incredibly important to get, okay? Don't miss this. Jesus says, when it all comes down, everything that counts is you love God and you love people with everything in you. And if you think you've heard from God and it doesn't line up with that, you didn't hear from God. If you think bitterness and unforgiveness held in your heart is okay with God, you did not hear from God. Does it line up with Scripture? And this is what happens in so many people's lives. It, it's, it's like it, they hear stuff. I think Christians do this. You know, we, we, we love our rules and regulations, and when people don't respond and do what we want them to do, we don't like the people, we treat them bad. And it's crazy because Jesus didn't die for rules and regulations. He died for people. He gave himself for people. Does it line up with the larger principles of Scripture if you do hear something from God, if you have a sense that you hear something from God? Now, the truth is, most of the things that happen in your life, let's just be honest. <laughs> how, how can I say this? You're, you're not going to find a Bible verse to tell you what job to take. So many people say, well, how do I know then? How do I, how do I know if it's God? Here's, here's what I say to people. You do your best to listen. You ask, you expect that God will speak to you. And it's probably not going to come in audible words. It's probably going to come in a sense on the inside that this seems to be the right way. And so you make sure that it's not out of line with the larger principles of Scripture. And then this is what I tell people. You just have to trust the Spirit of God in you to guide you. And so you move ahead with what you sense God speaking. And this is, you know, I've said this for years, but I think it's so important for Christians to hear this. You drive in the light you have. So when you're in your car at night, you're, even if you have your high beams on, those headlights only are going to reveal so much to you. And everything beyond that is black and darkness. And you cannot know what's there until you drive in the light you have. And the further you drive forward, the more light you get into the future. So you do what you know to do. You ask God, you expect. If you have a sense this is direction, then you trust the Spirit of God in you and you follow it. And if God wants you to change, he will reveal that to you. But you're not going to find an obscure verse that's going to validate it. The Bible doesn't really operate that way. So you ask, you expect, and then one more thought, and I'm just going to uh, finish up with this one. I think this is maybe the hardest one for me of all. If you really want to hear from God, if you really want to want to know how God leads, you have to learn that part of what happens when you ask God for stuff is that sometimes 
He makes you wait for it. Now, let me just be honest. I told you, I hate that. No, I mean, I'm serious. I, I hate waiting for anything. Anybody in here like that uh, with me on that? I hate, I go into it like a Myers. I evaluate the cashiers. Do they look like they're fast or do they look like they're having a break at the counter? And then I judge it. And then if somebody that I see comes in after me in the row next to me, this happened to us a Thursday night. And I was like, oh, God, forgive me. I'm so mad because I chose the wrong cashier. I hate waiting. I hate waiting when I'm driving. I hate waiting for anything. I don't like waiting. And the irony in all this is most of us feel that way. Nobody likes to really be queued up in line somewhere. You don't like to wait. The irony is, is that so often the very thing we hate, God will use. And for a reason. Now, I don't know all the reasons, but I can give you some. They're really pretty simple. For one thing, I think sometimes when God wants to give me direction on the next step, there's some things that need to happen before I should start that step. Some growth that needs to take place in me. Sometimes the growth that I need for the next phase in my journey will happen in the waiting. Sometimes it's like, I just feel like, I know God's going to show me, but he hasn't revealed it. It's been a while. What you don't realize is God's saying, it's coming. It's coming. But right now you're growing. And this is what you need before you take that next step. And of course, Scripture validates this. Uh, Well, let me give you this quote. This is such a great quote before I show you the Scripture. C.S. Lewis says, I'm sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it's good for him to wait. Isn't that good? God keeps us waiting only because he sees that sometimes that's what we need. And it's okay. But Scripture says this. This is in Isaiah. Isaiah writes, those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They, They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. My gosh, waiting is so hard, but waiting can be such a powerful thing. Sometimes, here's the deal, sometimes it may be the right thing, but it's just not right right now. And so God doesn't show you. And you grow or you learn. Maybe marrying him is the right thing, but not right now. Because you need to deal with some issues in your life or you need some healing or whatever it is. Some of you may feel like, I'm in this holding pattern. Listen, you're never truly in a holding pattern. You're either growing or you're not. God uses wait times in our lives and grows us and helps us. Bottom line in all this, it's real simple. Bottom line in all this is that God wants to speak into your life because you've got all these paths every day, all these paths in front of you. And what he teaches you to do is to pray, Father, lead me. Show me the right path. And I will follow that. Show me. Lead me. Guide me. And I challenge you to do that, to make that a regular part of your prayer. And if you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life or you're far from God, you know, you, before you walk out of this room, you can simply turn to God and say, I come back, I come to you, come in, take charge of my life. You can pray that. And your life can change. So let's stand to our feet. And I'm going to close this with prayer.
then we'll head out. Will you do that? Will you pray a little more often? Father, lead me. Lead me. So now, God, help us to have the wisdom and the direction. Help us to have the stuff that we need because you do want to speak to us and you are speaking. Help us to ask and expect to be willing to wait and to trust you. And now we go with grateful hearts. You're so amazing. Your love is awesome. In Jesus' name, let's say together, amen. Amen. Have a great day. You're dismissed. We'll have people in front who'd love to pray with you if you need prayer.